Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks making the turn. That's that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. Welcome in. It is the Sox on Tap postgame show. Johnny Nani alongside NWI Steve here on Monday, June 14th. Unfortunately, recapping a 5-2 loss. But Steve, it has been a while since you and I have been on the mic together. Good to uh, have you back here uh, along next to me, face side by side here. And uh, how are you doing, my man? Hey, yo, Johnny. Doing well, man. Yeah, it's been uh, far too long, so definitely good to uh, be teaming up with you here tonight. Wish it was under better circumstances, though. Yeah, I think, you know, you want to win all of them, but at the end of the day, uh, it's baseball. It happens, and you're also playing a very good team. Uh, it's a very, very highly anticipated matchup, Steve, and I think we, we have a point to make, too, before we really break into the game uh, about an article that you wrote um, and kind of maintaining expectations o- over this next week or so stretch when they'll have the Rays and the Astros. So uh, we will get into that, but uh, before we do, I need to let the listeners know, make sure you are visiting ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasts needs you can follow us on social media at socks on tap and at on tap sports net uh the show is also presented by grandstand so if you're looking for white Sox merchandise make sure you are stopping by grandstand right by the ballpark or visiting them online to shop virtually at grandstandsocks.com you can also follow them on social media to see new merch when it drops at grandstand socks now that that's out of the way steve let's talk about you know maintaining these expectations here and remembering that the stretch is also just kind of a tough get the stretch in the schedule uh, in the middle of June. Still a lot of baseball to be played after this. Elaborate on what you wrote about today, Steve. You you hit on the the main thesis of, of my article here is the fact of the matter is we've got 90-some games left to play here. A lot of people will want to sit here and make grandiose statements about what this seven-game stretch means in the middle of June. If the Sox, for some reason, go 2-5 and five or 3-4, and four, against two playoff caliber teams, all of a sudden the sky is going to be falling. It's going to be, oh, see, this team's not really any good. They're just beating up on cupcakes in the AL Central. They're really not to be taken seriously. And it's just, it's an overblown narrative that people like to put out there. And it's just something that's just, it's not based in fact. The overarching message that I want to try to get across to people here is regardless of what happens, if the Sox go two and five this week, or if they turn around and go five and two, it doesn't mean as much as you think it does one way or the other, because there are still 90 plus games left to be played. And the fact of the matter also is the White Sox are not even close to being at full strength right now. So the team that you see here this week, is not going to be the team that you see during the month of September when they're gearing up for a playoff run. 
Yeah, very well put there, Steve. I think, you know, you can go and look at uh, listeners if you're listening to this here uh, and wanting to read more about this subject uh, on tapsportsnet.com. Uh, click on the White Sox tab there. You will find it uh, right there as one of the top few articles in there. And yeah, does a great job outlining all those points that you just mentioned, Steve. And I, I kind of want to, you know, elaborate a little bit further beyond that. And it's yes, it's OK to be excited about wins like it is for any wins, whether you're beating the Detroit Tigers or you're beating the Tampa Bay Rays. It doesn't, you know, it's OK to still be excited excited about these, but keep it all in perspective, I think is the kind of main sort of, you know, objective here, right? 100%. I, I very much wanted them to come out there, go seven and no this week, go out there and take care of business against two high quality teams. But again, you you have to manage the expectations here and know that you're going to be going up against some top level competition there. So the likelihood of that happening just isn't that great. But again, from a fan perspective here, I was jacked up for this matchup because you get Lance Lynn versus Tyler Glass now on a Monday night. I mean, if that doesn't get your nads pumping, I don't know what will at this point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was, you know, a very, very highly anticipated matchup here, Steve. So I think this is a good transition to start and break into this. Like you had mentioned, that pitching matchup uh, absolutely should get the blood pumping in Tyler Glass now for the Rays and Lance Lynn, uh, who's been outstanding so far for the White Sox. Uh, unfortunately, long balls uh, early to Lance Lynn. Uh, what, what was going wrong here? I talked through a little bit about uh, Lance Lynn. Not, I wouldn't say extreme struggles, but places where he got beat here. It was really simple. He misplaced a couple of cutters and got the fat part of, of the plate. Wasn't able to hit his spots on, on the you know inner third of the plate, trying to tie up Austin Meadows and uh, Nate Lau. Unfortunately, they were able to barrel them up, hit them out of the ballpark. I mean, it's the Rays have a very simple formula when it comes to trying to win baseball games. Home runs, solid defense, and sliders for strikeouts. If they do those things more than their opponents do on a given night, they're going to win. They had three home runs tonight. The Sox didn't hit any. The Rays won. Yeah, a very, a very good point there. And if, if you any of our listeners were, uh, you know, tuned into the Sunday Funday show that Buzz and I did uh, just before the series started, I'd said a, a key for this going forward is, you know, it would be really nice to crank out, you know, it, especially when we we're previewing game one. I said it would be really nice to crank out at least one. Uh, obviously, multiple is even better. Home runs, though. And that's why I went with Diaz as my pick to click. Thought he might be able to get into one. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case for any uh, of the White Sox hitters in the lineup tonight. Uh, only real spot uh, they did any damage uh, was taking advantage of a few uh, miscues and jumping on pitches earlier in the count uh, in the third inning. But yeah, like you you had mentioned uh, with the race scoring early, there was a two run shot for Meadows in the first low with a solo shot in the third. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't think that should overshadow uh, some of the big spots that Lance Lynn had to pitch out of because as Stone and Benetti referenced on the show. He did not have a clean one, two, three inning uh, throughout the game. So uh, there were big spots and he got helped by his defense at one juncture and Danny Mendick. But other than that, you know, just getting some big strikeouts and putting out the massive Lance Lynn primal scream. This is something Stone talks about pretty regularly that for a starting pitcher, that is a rotation fixture. And say a 10 start stretch, you're going to have your top level stuff two, maybe three times. And then you're going to have two, three, four times where you're going to have okay stuff. And you're going to have three or four times where you're just not going to have your stuff on that given night. And I think tonight was one of those nights where Lynn just simply didn't have the strong command of the cutter that we have grown accustomed to seeing throughout the course of, the, of this season. As I talked about earlier, he paid the price for that with the home runs to Austin Meadows and to Nate Lau. Other than that, he really battled his way through this performance, and it was very important, I think, to be able to go out there and get six 
innings out of Lance Lynn tonight to try to save this bullpen. Got a, you know, we talked about this very tough stretch this week. They don't have an off day coming up here until Monday before they head out to Pittsburgh. So, you know, the worst thing that can happen in this spot is you go out there, you don't even get through the fifth inning, and then all of a sudden now you're taxing this bullpen here for the remaining six games of this week. So Lance Lynn showed the consummate professional that he is going out there battling with less than his best stuff and giving this team a chance to win a game ultimately. Yeah, uh, most definitely, Steve. And I think, you know, in the six, too, I think that's just another one to add to the Lance Lynn highlight reel um, because that, that strikeout was huge and the celebration was almost as big as any I think we've seen so far this year. So I, I always just love that just from an entertainment value standpoint. Obviously, the, the pitch itself and striking him out, but the theatrics afterward, too. You, it's, and they you just can't, you can't never for a guy like that, right? It, well, not only that, they keep zooming in on his mouth. As he's walking off the field every time you would think by now that the network would say, hey, don't do this, but they just keep going for it every time and I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, you can make it out. Obviously, there's no audio uh, with that with him being on the field there, but you, you can easily make it out. Uh, what do you say? And they are of the expletive form. But yeah, it is pretty hilarious. Not, you know what? I hope they do because I do think that is one of the things that drives up uh, the excitement uh, about, you know, the, this team. Maybe a more casual fan is that something that draws them in. Um, so I, I like that they still do that. So uh, that's about it for Lynn. Let's talk offense a little bit here. White Sox would only score in the bottom of the third. Hey, Lurie Legend. I got to give props to Buzz on this yesterday because he had said if there's a pesky guy that's going to, you know, kind of squeak one through on glass now, uh, maybe to get something going, it would be Lurie Garcia. And that was the case here uh, because this is a one out double down the right. uh, Yeah, uh, down the left field line. Excuse me. Hit it opposite field. uh, And then after that, uh, he gets around uh, a sack, uh, not a sack fly, but fly out uh, medic to right uh, gets Garcia to third. And then a wild pitch uh, glass now just buried one. Garcia comes in to score. That's the first run of the game for the Sox. Uh, And after that, Timmy with a double, a good win, RBI single, man. Uh, This guy, I know there's a little bit of a defensive blunder later in the game, but hey, right now, uh, Brian Goodwin is uh, just something else. This is something I talked about in, in, in a piece that I wrote a couple of weeks ago. Some of the contributions that they have gotten from less heralded guys that are on the back end of the roster, and these are guys that maybe with extended playing time are going to get a little bit exposed, but you're getting positive contribution from them right now. And, and these guys are giving you opportunities to steal some ball games, quite frankly here. So, you know, Goodwin again, obviously had that big day um, in his white Sox debut on Sunday or excuse me on Saturday with the five RBIs, that big three run Homer coming in here again today, being able to bloop a nice RBI single in there to get this to a three, two ball game and put this team in a position then to be able to tie this thing up and potentially, you know, take the lead there. So again, just, you know, a guy coming in here, not very heralded, um, just stepping up right away out of the shoot. We saw this with Jake Lamb. We saw this with your mean Mercedes to the first six weeks of the season here. So this is something that's happening with great regularity from guys that you wouldn't expect it to at this point. So now we can just add good one to the list. Yeah, uh, most definitely, too. I, I call it White Sox bench magic because that's really what it is. Tony always says this team has it, and that is part of the factor, the aura of what is it for the White Sox. I think that's a good consummation of it. So uh, we'll move on a little bit further here. Uh, I'll just we, we talk defense really quick because um, it was – in the top of the six uh, to set up, you know, I talked about the out that um, got when out of that inning with the big strikeout. But before that, uh, it was a Wendell leadoff single and when induces a ground ball by walls. And this is a play that I think it was kind of floated out there uh, on a certain social networking site, Steve, but 
if Nick Madrigal is playing second base here, this may not be a double play. You probably get one, but you probably don't get two uh, in this spot. And it was Danny Mendick. And the way that he came across knew that if he was going to let go of the ball and flip it to Tim Anderson, probably would not have gotten it in time. So he takes it himself, does a jump throw uh, to first base and gets the two outs here. And that was a huge spot in this game still uh, because the White Sox is still a 3-2 ball game uh, at this point in time, Steve. You're 100% right, Johnny. And I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to say it. And I know that this is going to make people mad. Danny Mendick is a better defender at second base than Nick Madrigal. There. I said what I said. If people want to be mad online, go for it. I don't care at this juncture. I can't see what you're saying anyway, so it doesn't really matter to mm-hmm. me. Um, but this is something, and this is similar to what we saw Friday night, the play that he made to close out the game in the in the yes. 10th inning. I had Tony, Tony and I were kind of texting each other about this. Does Nick Madrigal make that play? And I honestly, I don't think he does. So I, this is a situation where Danny Mendick now being thrust into more of a starter's role is being given an opportunity to showcase his skills on the defensive side of the ball here. He's doing that. He's he's making some contributions also on the offensive side of the equation as well. But really, I think Danny Mendick is more of a glove first guy at second base. And he's showing that right now. And I was honestly very concerned because I thought that there was a little bit of miscommunication between him and Mm -hmm. Tim on that play. And I was fearful that neither one of them was ultimately going to go for the ball. And it was going to sneak through to center field there. But Mendick was able to obviously regroup their kind of understanding the situation, knowing who was running and getting himself in a position to then be able to go field the ball, make a quick tag of the bag and then throw all in the same motion. Yeah, uh, I, I got a couple points on that one before we move on. And one is that just with the visual on it and the way that he jumped, uh, put Danny Mendick in a Jumpman logo right now. That would be sweet. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me, at least when I was watching the replay of it in slow-mo and the way that he jumped up and then threw, you know, you, you, you know how he looked, like the outline of him. I thought that would be pretty cool, uh, a Jumpman Danny Mendick logo there. Uh, and then second of all, this is not a, uh, you know, a knock on Nick Madrigal's uh, competitiveness or, you know, desire to play the game. But Danny Mendick is a guy that you look at and you say he's a gamer and you, you know that term if you've been around baseball like your whole life and you can just tell certain guys are because he's not the flashiest guy but god damn it is he going to try uh, you know the hardest and he's going to come up with seemingly clutch plays like that when you're a guy when you're a guy that was drafted in the 16th round out of umass lowell you have to be one of those guys because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is nothing is handed to you. Nick Madrigal was a first-round pick out of a prolific Oregon State program where he won a national title. So obviously comes with a much higher pedigree. So a guy like Danny Mendick has to go out there, has to be a, a dirtbag, you know, one, one, you know, a very, very popular term that is used out there. He has to go out there and he has to leave it all on the field. And he has to kind of be that try-hard kind of guy because he mm-hmm. doesn't have – that natural skill set that your star players do. Yeah, very, very good uh, sort of observation there. And I, th- I think that's a good kind of explanation of it. Uh, more of what I was getting at with that general term in gamer there. Um, well, let's move on because that was a good, great play. Obviously, Lynn uh, gets Zanino uh, K'd up uh, with that uh, big scream to end his outing for the night. Uh, White Sox would go to Garrett Crochet uh, after this first inning. Fine. No problems. One, two, three. But uh, in his second inning, which would be the eighth, uh, Randy Arozarena uh, comes in a lead off solo shot uh, in this one. Steve uh, complaints about Crochet possibly staying in here. Um, would you have gone a different way? Uh, what, what did he do wrong here? And also Randy Arozarena is just a good hitter as well. I might add. Oh, I, I I thought the decision to stick with Garrett Crochet was fine there because you look at what was coming up after him, you had three more lefties. 
coming up. And what it ultimately came down to is he wasn't able to execute a slider to get a Rosarena out. And he was in a position where he had to throw him a three, two fastball. It's that it's that simple. If he executes a slider with two strikes, he probably wipes him out and they don't score there. It's pretty cut and dry from, from my position when uh, in that particular spot. So I I don't know what that just seems like if people are mad about that Mm -hmm. particular sequence there, if they're mad about Garrett crochet being out there on the mound in that spot, you're literally just actively looking for something to be mad about. Yeah. And and I would agree too with the lineup coming after that though. But um, I just know that there, there may be some reservation amongst uh, the armchair managers uh, of the world uh, that that would maybe have gone, you know, uh, elsewhere, but uh, either way, I think it was fine to, uh, to to go. And like you said, the execution on the pitch is there. And then once again, Randy Rosarina, uh, you saw what he did uh, in those playoffs last year. Uh, He is a good hitter. So uh, sometimes that happens. And also, also at the end of the day, when we look back on this, uh, this wasn't the make or break because White Sox wouldn't score again uh, after this. And obviously there's a reason uh, which we'll get to, but um, that, that would be uh, the fourth run for the Rays. there makes it four, two uh, in the eighth. And then uh, in the white Sox bottom of the ace, Steve, this one hurts um, because you get Anderson leading off uh, an infield single here. Uh, but as Brian Goodwin comes up the plate, trying to make some more magic happen, uh, Tim Anderson gets picked off first on just a bad, bad mental play. He was simply caught going kind of first move on that. And I don't even think it was a situation where he was trying to steal a bag. Um, I think he was probably just trying to put himself in a position to get a good secondary lead in the event. If Goodwin was able to get a base hit there to maybe be able to go first to third right there. So just trying to make sure that he had that good secondary lead and mistimed it was caught leaning and, uh, Castillo was able to, to pick him off, and that really did hurt right there, and, and it took a lot of the momentum out of the inning. Uh, you had a chance there with your two, three, four guys coming up there to potentially string together a rally. Maybe you don't get two runs. Maybe you get just one, and you cut it to a four to three deficit. Put yourself in a position where you're now one pitch away from tying the game. And, uh, you know, to give away an out in that spot right there in the eighth inning, uh, that really hurt, and Timmy knew it. Yeah, it, it hurts. It definitely hurts. And, uh, you know, I think it's just frustrating because it wasn't like, you know, you'd still be mad about it, but you could live with it more if it was just an unreal pickoff move by someone. But it wasn't like a great move or anything. Like you had said, Timmy just get gets caught leaning, uh, try, trying to, you know, think a little bit ahead, uh, put, putting the uh, cart before the horse a little bit there, I think, uh, just mentally uh, in that juncture there. So uh, we go into the ninth. Jose Ruiz is in the ball game, uh, leadoff double. And this was kind of the fault of Brian Goodwin, not completely, but at the same time, he did not get a good read on this ball. You would have to think that Adam Angle probably makes a play uh, if he's out there, but alas, uh, obviously riding a little bit of a hot hand here uh, with Goodwin uh, and playing some handedness uh, against Glass, now the starter here, uh, having him in the lineup. So, uh, you know, this gets uh, one man on, start the inning at second, but then Jose Ruiz comes back uh, with two strikeouts, and that was, you know, you're looking like, okay, maybe we'll get out of this and we can try and mount a rally here, uh, last ditch, maybe walk this thing off. But unfortunately, uh, it was a ball to first base. Uh, Jose deep on that one. Jose Ruiz coming over to cover, and he just takes his eye off it, man. Uh, Flip comes towards him, kind of rolls down the line, uh, and that allows the run to score from second here. Uh, That would kind of be the icing on the cake, Steve. So uh, just kind of a uh, little bit of a deflating way to go out, I think. Definitely was. I think the you know the last three to four innings are the quality that bats really was not there against the Tampa bullpen. Um, you know, obviously you had a position where you're in a one run deficit. You're one swing away from tying the game there, and 
just the the quality of the bats was not there. And I think one of the other aspects that we need to look at and, and need to talk about, and you and I had discussed this before we hopped on here, is the lineup tonight was a little bit thin. You know, when you take Yohan Mankata out of this lineup now, given some of the other issues that we've seen over the last couple of weeks here with, with the injuries and everything, it, it thins out pretty quick. And especially when you have Jose Abreu, um, he's been struggling a little bit here, I think, especially from the power standpoint. I mean, it's been close to a month now since Jose Abreu hit his last home run. And Timmy's got like one home run in the last six weeks. The fact that this group collectively is not really hitting the ball out of the ballpark is very problematic. And, you know, you couple that with Yohan being out of the lineup here due to some illness issues. It, it makes things very challenging against a Tampa Bay team that really can pitch the shit out of the baseball. Yeah, and it was a point made on the broadcast. You talk about going up against Tampa Bay's bullpen. Um, it, it is going to be uh, a fun watch in, in the later innings of these next two games here uh, with the arms that both sides have uh, coming out of the pen. So um, I really hope White Sox are able to either uh, figure it out against them or better yet, uh, let's just get to the starter a little bit more and build a bit of a base so we can use our bullpen against them uh, to do the shutdown going forward. Steve, what do you say? I like that formula a lot better than what we saw tonight, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. So, uh, once again, that, that wraps up tonight's game, 5-2 uh, to two, uh, to open this series against the Rays. But we got them two more uh, right here uh, back at the rate. This is Monday, June 14th. The, the 15th. We'll be right back at it. 7, 10 p.m. Central Time start. It will be a battle of lefties in Shane McClanahan for the Rays and Dallas Keuchel for our Sox. Pitching matchup here, Steve. What do we expect to see? I expect, you know, from from Shane McClanahan, kind of going to follow that Rays model. It's going to be fastball, slider. going to be a lot of that here. This is how the Rays, and, and they talked about this extensively during the broadcast, the Rays get people out attacking them with sliders. They throw more sliders than just about any other team in the league, and they get more strikeouts with the slider than any other team in all of baseball. So obviously this has to be part of the scouting report, and we kind of saw that with the Sox maybe the second time through the order against Tyler Glass now here being a little more aggressive so that they were in positions to not get wiped out by that pitch late in at-bats, and I almost wonder and I would anticipate that you may see that continue here going into the matchup tomorrow against McClanahan. Um, you know, he's, he's a young guy still kind of developing here at the major league levels, gone through little, some ups and downs in here. And this is a guy that is gettable. Um, one of the keys, obviously then, you know, for, for the hitters is putting themselves into good, strong counts to, you know, potentially go and attack fastballs. And on the flip side of that, Dallas Keuchel, I, I sound like a broken record with this. He's got to go out there. He's got to pound the strike zone. Got to go do what he did against the Toronto Blue Jays in his last start. That was, 01, yeah. 01, 02 with, with consistency, hitting the spots with that cutter on, on the inner third of the plate here. And I'm going to be interested to see what the Rays do with their lineup. They loaded up with lefties here um, tonight against Lance Lynn. You know, they are a little bit more of a left-hand dominant team offensively. And the fact of the matter is, you know, Dallas is not a guy that misses a lot of bats. He's not the type of pitcher that you would look at from an opposition standpoint and say, okay, I need to take my lefties out of the lineup. Um, to kind of try to neutralize him a little bit. So it's going to be a little bit of an interesting chess match here to see what Kevin Cash does from a lineup standpoint. 
yeah, I will be interested to see too. And then I will also be interested to see because I think Dallas Keuchel inspired a lot more confidence in us uh, with that outing against the Blue Jays. Seemed to raise his uh, level a little bit. Maybe that's just getting going, feeling a little bit more comfortable uh, as opposed to some of the early outings in the year when he wasn't striking out anyone or only getting one. Uh, I know, like you said, he's not going to miss a ton, ton of bats, and I would imagine this figure to come down. But didn't he creep up to eight uh, in that outing against the Jays? He he did it. I, I remember uh, the night before that game, some idiot on, on the postgame show was saying that that wasn't really going to be a good matchup for uh, for Dallas Keuchel against that Toronto Blue Jays lineup. <laughs> and boy, you know, whoever said that was a real moron. <laughs> hey, that happens here. Yeah, you know, at least we can all sit back and uh, eat it and, you know, be, be we can be happy about it. You know, love to be proven wrong about things that we don't think are going to go right for the White Sox. And if they do, um, obviously, uh, it makes us feel a lot better about the results. So, um, yeah, the, that's about, you know, with this, I just want to one more point too. you know, not that the White Sox were intimidated by any means because they are still, you know, a very good ball club. You know, these are two of the top two in the AL uh, going at it head to head here. But it's a little bit different when you're going up against a younger guy instead of someone like Tyler Glass now who has uh, kind of all of the highlights about him and the kind of uh, buzz, uh, you know, around him when just talking about how nasty he can be and how hard he can throw. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit different, uh, and I hope the White Sox should be able to turn that into some more runs uh, tomorrow night. 100%. McClanahan is a guy that is not firmly established here at the major league level. Like I said, a guy that is still developing, still learning. In, in a lot of sense, you know, you maybe could kind of categorize him as a Dylan Cease type guy for, for the Tampa Bay Rays, a guy that has tr- some tremendous upside and you can see the tools when, when they're, when they're on and, and when he's flashing them, but he's not developed that level of consistency yet to this point at the major league level. And hopefully the Sox tomorrow are able to go out there, string together some quality at bats and uh, take it to him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, w- with that, uh, who is going to help us get it done? Picks to click here, Steve. All right, pick the click. I, you know what? I think Pito is going to break the streak tomorrow. He's going to put one in the bleachers. He's due. It's time. Let's get it done, big man. Yep, I like that pick. And I, you know, another uh, just going off of here uh, with a uh, righty bat that is due. Another name that you mentioned in there, Mr. Tim Anderson. So uh, I would like to see that. I'm going to go with TA. Uh, it would be sweet if both of us had home runs, but either way, I could see Tim uh, breaking out for a multi hit performance uh, if he is able to do his homework, study up, uh, and get a lead uh, on McClanahan here. Um, and, you know, uh, we'll see what happens against the bullpen in, in later innings there. But hopefully, like I'd mentioned earlier, the game plan for some of that damage being done earlier. So uh, I mean, see if we'll both be out of the ballpark tonight. So if you're around, uh, come say hi. Uh, should be a good time. i uh, looking forward to it, Steve. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off for good here? Let's just uh, chalk this one up, throw it away, and get them tomorrow. Yeah, hey, there's Pretty still simple. a lot more games <laughs> Yeah, there's still still plenty more games in the stretch uh, to be able to, uh, you know, go and kind of correct this. And once again, you know, you just came off a sweep. So losing one in here, you know, what do we say? Probability says over the course of 162, it's going to happen. But uh, I think, you know, White Sox aren't going to be dead in the water here. Uh, I think we'll show a little more fight back tomorrow. So that's my final thoughts here. Listeners, once again, make sure you are visiting ontapsportsnet.com for articles like Steve wrote and we discussed at the beginning of this show. You can follow us on social media at SoxOnTap and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you're looking for White Sox merchandise, Grandstand is the place to go. Visit them right near the ballpark or shop online at GrandstandSox.com. You can also follow them on social media at GrandstandSox. So, Steve, Johnny, while we're, Johnny, real quick, while, while we're on the subject of, of Grandstand, is, oh, yeah. it you, is it you or Buzz that has the Yasmani Grandal headband? I have the Yas headband. Okay, 
did you procure that at Grandstand by chance? I did. I did not. So that's actually a junk brands thing uh, okay. because that was uh, they have a deal with certain players uh, with the Players okay. Association and MLB, so they're able to get those. So and junk brands is just kind of that uh, headband one that me and Buzz like. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw you know regular White Sox one. I know they got the Yaz one. They have like Yoan ones. I think they have a Timmy one. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of them on there though. So yeah, that's Could- me though. Because I'm planning to make it a stop into into Grandstand tomorrow. Because I've I've given some thought to this, you know, this morning when I was at the gym. I'm thinking about becoming a headband guy at the gym. I feel like I've met the advanced stage in my life where where I can do this, and then people can just point at me and laugh for being that guy. <laughs> and I'm I'm ready to own it. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, it's, it's sweat wicking that does it for me. So that's the biggest thing, and it also keeps the hair. You know, you, you don't got the flow, but mine it's nice. It helps push it back. Keep it on my face. So yeah, uh, headbands at junk brands. We're, we're fans of theirs too. Uh, no. no free ads but hey i uh, mean buzz do like our drunk brands and you've seen them uh, on this show plenty of times but uh for beyond that like i said grandstand place to go uh jerseys hats sweatshirts long sleeves anything you need there grandstand socks um all right steve that's it blowing all my hot air for tonight let's sign off with three words white socks forever white socks for life <laughs> <laughs>